On episode 233 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to improve your performance on the court through proper dieting and nutrition with Tara Collingwood. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, and welcome to the show. Today we have a great interview with Tara Collingwood. She is a nutrition and diet expert, and she is a nutrition consultant to the United States Tennis Association's National Campus in Orlando, Florida, where I was a few months ago. A fantastic place to be if you're a tennis nut and aficionado like myself. Tara is also the currently the team dietitian for the Orlando Magic NBA team and nutrition consultant to. University of Central Florida's athletic department. And she owns Tara Giddes Nutrition Consulting in Orlando, Florida. She is a nutrition and movement performance coach at the prestigious Johnson & Johnson Human Performance Institute, where she teaches senior executives how to manage their energy. And she has also worked with numerous companies, including Walt Disney World, Rodale Publications, Tupperware, Canyon Ranch Spa, Rosen Hotels, uh, been there as well, very nice chain, uh, United Behavioral Healthcare, and others. So Tara has a very impressive resume. And today you're going to hear about uh, the top five best foods to eat if you're a tennis player, how to construct your diet, the best snacks and hydration for your game, the importance of timing in relation to uh, when you eat and performance on the court and how to uh, structure your meals and what to eat before, uh, the day before a match, um, the morning of a match, and during a match, and also after a match, and Tara's philosophies on how to, or what diets to choose. So we have a lot of great information for you today in regards to your nutrition and dieting, if you are a serious tennis player. So I think you'll really enjoy this one. And thanks again to Tara for coming on to the show. So with that, I will leave you to the interview. So here it is, and please enjoy my interview with Tara Collingwood. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Tennis Falls Podcast. It's really an honor and a pleasure to have Tara Collingwood on the show today. And we're going to learn all about nutrition and dieting for, for tennis players and how we can improve our performance on the court through this very, very important subject. So Tara, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And I actually um, heard your interview on uh, another podcast and I was really impressed by it and, and really enjoyed it. And so that's actually how I uh, you know, decided we really should bring Tara on to, to the show. So I uh, appreciate your time. Uh, just kind of a fun question. What was the last thing that you ate today? <laughs> Um, let's see. I just had lunch. So I actually made myself an egg scramble um, for lunch. And then the last thing I ate would be a piece of chocolate after lunch, mm. <laughs> if you really oh. want to know the truth. Nice. Yeah, I've actually heard a lot of great things about dark chocolate in particular. So um, that, that's it's a good choice. I'm eating a lot more of that myself and uh, happily so. <laughs> so yes. um, yeah, definitely. And so before we launch into you know, a bunch of questions that I have for you about nutrition and, and dieting and so forth for tennis players, uh, I was curious how you got into the world of, of you know, consulting for USCA uh, in this very important subject. Sure. Yeah. Well, I've been a sports dietitian for, gosh, about 20 years now. I live in Orlando. So USTA National Campus, of course, is here in Orlando. So when they opened up their doors in 2017, they were looking for someone to work with them at the national campus. Um, I had, I was at the time also working with the Orlando Magic. I was with them for about 12 years. I was also with the University of Central Florida, UCF and their athletes. So we just kind of, you know, I knew people that were starting at USTA or, do, you know, 
we knew people in common and we, we got together. And so then they offered me the, the job to start consulting with the, the USTA national campus. Yeah, that is so awesome. I really love the national campus down in Orlando. I was down there a few months ago and, um, you know, I'm friends with uh, Satoshi Ochi and, and David <gasps> Ramos over there. Yeah, they're great people. And, you know, I've had them on the podcast. So it's great to, uh, you know, have another uh, national campus uh, expert on there, uh, on here, actually. So, and actually, you know, what you you mentioned a, a bunch of different, um, uh, you know, different sports that you've been involved in. I'm, I'm curious, is the diet requirements and nutrition requirements um, vastly different for, you know, for different athletes in different sports, would you say, or are there more commonalities than uh, differences? Oh, gosh. Um, yes and no. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of commonalities, but there are a lot of differences as well, as you can imagine. So depending on, you know, gender, of course, men and women are going to have slightly different needs depending on what kind of sport. So right now I'm actually working with WWE as well, World Wrestling Entertainment. So you can imagine that those athletes are going to be much different. They're huge strength athletes. Um, they're aesthetic athletes. They want to look good. Um, and so, you know, depending on the time and then, you know, then on the other spectrum, I work with a lot of triathletes and, you know, Ironman athletes and marathoners and, and things like that. That's kind of my background is, is more running and, and marathon and, and all that good stuff. So so yeah, I mean, the fundamentals of sports nutrition are kind of the same for athletes, but it just depends on the training load, um, the body type, the, you know, the performance schedule as well. Um, you know, certain sports have long off seasons and other sports have hardly any off season. So it really um, varies a lot with the different athletes I've worked with throughout the years. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, there's so many uh, different questions I, I have for you here. Um, I guess I'll start with like a top, uh, top like best foods and worst foods. Um, so just you know, to right off the bat for tennis players, like if there were five foods that you would recommend for tennis players that you think would give them you know a really big boost in performance, I mean, what would they be? If this is like a, a valid question in your opinion? Ah, yeah, I <laughs> uh, love this question. So you know, you've always heard an apple a day keeps the doctor away, and I for athletes like to say a banana a day. So I highly recommend bananas, really all fruit. So if you're allergic to bananas, you hate bananas, you don't have to eat a bananas, you can eat a banana, you can still be a good tennis player. Um, but you know, I love bananas because they have that potassium, which of course we lose in our sweat. Um, they're a good source of carbohydrates. They're easy, portable, you know, all that kind of stuff. You can throw it into your tennis bag. Um, so, you know, I would start with fruit specifically with the banana as one of my top five. Um, I would definitely have to have water if I can include that as a quote unquote food or just, you know, sports drinks in general, just hydration, um, as a category, because, you know, in the summer, especially in Florida, but really anywhere around the world, anytime you're playing outside under that hot sun. Um, humidity involved, especially, you know, that hydration is going to be really, really important. So whether it's water, whether it's sports drinks, whether it's, you know, other things that you're doing, we need to make sure that that hydration is going to be one of those really important things. Um, oh, let's see. What else do I love? You know, some kind of protein, obviously, you're going to have to have. So I'm a big fan of, um, of dairy. So whether that's milk, whether that's yogurt, cheese, you know, you can also, of course, do um, salmon or, you know, other chicken, beef, whatever kind of meats, you know, we always have to have some kind of protein. Obviously, the vegetables need to come in. I'm trying to think of my categories here so I can give you a, a yeah. wide array of the five foods. Uh, my favorite, probably most nutrient rich vegetable would be spinach. My personal favorite, you know, obviously kale, broccoli, tomatoes, carrots, whatever any vegetable is going to be good as well. So we've got a protein, we've got a fruit, we've got water, we've got, um, so I think the only thing I'm missing is some kind of grain. So let's see, what's one of my favorite grains? Um, oatmeal. I love mm. oats. <laughs> I think oats is going to be a really good thing that you could do for breakfast. You could even do it, you know, as a snack or a lunch or dinner. So, you know, getting those whole grains in there and, um, and getting some of those complex carbohydrates is good. Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate that, Tara. And yeah, I have some follow-ups uh, predictably from the, uh, your answer. So with, uh, with the oatmeal, um, is there a difference for us like between like slow cooked versus like the instant? Like, is there one you recommend over the other? 
Yeah. Surprisingly, the only difference between like a steel cut oat and a quick cooking oat is how thinly they slice it. So it still is a whole grain oat, even if you get the quick cooking oats. Of course, the packet of instant oats is often going to have sugar and flavor and all that kind of stuff added to it. And plain oats needs a little bit of help. I mean, I put a little (laughs) bit of flavor into my oats, but you can do it with fresher dried fruit. You can, you know, drizzle a little maple syrup um, on there or, you know, whatever you like to to use to, to sweeten that up a little bit. But yeah, I mean, ideally we can do like the steel cut, you know, oats and and all of that. But if you don't have time for that, then the instant oats are just fine. Or you can even do the overnight oats where you just take the oats, put milk. I, of course, want some protein and all the nutrients of milk, um, whether it's a plant-based milk or the cow's milk and, you know, put it in the fridge overnight. And then you can either stick it in the microwave and warm it up or you can just eat it cold and add, again, your favorite um, fruits or shredded coconut or granola or whatever it is that you like to to um, to do to those oats. So yeah, that's a good question. A lot of people want to know that, like, what's the difference? <laughs> right, right. Awesome. Yeah. So just kind of be aware of, um, you know, if you're getting a flavored one, like the, about the sugar content uh, for the instant. Cool, cool. And, um, you know, a big question, of course, is the sports drinks. Like I, I've had some companies send me like, you know, different sports drinks and so forth. Like, so, but what, which ones do you recommend? Because I know a lot of people, of course, they've been drinking Gatorade, Powerade, and that does have, yep. you know, quite a bit of uh, extra stuff in there. So what, what ones do you recommend? So I do recommend just a general regular sports drink. Um, so whether it is Gatorade or Powerade or, you know, obviously they're the two big ones, but there's lots of other brands out there that are just as good. But just remember that sports drinks have spent millions and millions of dollars on their formulary because that's what works for athletes. So when you water down your sports drink, when you you know try to make your own sports drink, like they are the right sugar concentration. So sports drinks should be between six to eight percent carbohydrates. So if you drink apple juice on the court, you're going to get some stomach aches. You know, I mean, sports drinks are sort of like a watered down um you know, amount of sugar compared to like 100% juice or a soda or something like that for a reason, because that's what's absorbed the best into our gut to give us that performance. They also have those electrolytes in there. So the sodium, potassium, magnesium, um, you know, that's going to help you with replacing some of those sweat losses. My problem specifically working with tennis, tennis athletes is a lot of the versus, you know, some of the other athletes that I've worked with especially male tennis players sweat a lot. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so females do too, but males, you know, just gender, you know, specific males sweat more than women. You know, you lose more um, pounds of sweat. You lose more liters of sweat during a workout than a woman does. And that adds up. It not, doesn't just add up with fluid, but it adds up with those electrolytes. So I'm often recommending for my, you know, crampers, for my people who have a difficult time recovering, you know, especially if you're doing two-a-day practices, especially if you're in Florida in July, um, <laughs> to add more sodium to that sports drink. So you might start with a regular Gatorade and then add some Gator Lights or, you know, have some kind of a sodium packet or pill or something else that you're adding to that. Because it's just, you know, if you just drink more Gatorade, then yeah, that sugar adds up and you do need some sugar. You know, there's three things you need on court, water or fluid, I should say, some kind of electrolyte and some kind of sugar. We need some carbohydrate while we're, you know, practicing and and performing for two, three hours. Um, But, you know, if you just try to meet your sodium losses with more regular sports drink, you're going to get, you know, way too much sugar. So that's where a lot of times either the endurance formula or just another, you know, maybe a different brand or adding some electrolyte powders to just the regular sports drink might be the thing. So it takes a little bit of, of, um, you know, tinkering (laughs) and figuring out what you like the taste of, what works for you. You know, you don't want to taste like the ocean. Um, You don't want to be like, you know, tasting like salt water, but, you know, sodium tastes. So yeah, that's the, that's the hard part sometimes is, is getting that right formula for the player. Cool. Yeah. That's super enlightening because I know there's a lot of people who are um, kind of hesitant about the amount of sugar that Gatorade has, for example, but you know, as you mentioned, uh, the companies have spent, uh, you know, decades and so forth. Um, so that, that is the right formula unless you need more 
sodium, uh, then you might yep. have to add some. So, and, and I mean, what's the difference between like Gatorade and Powerade and, and something like Noon or Precision Hydration or some other companies? <laughs> like what, what are they trying to, you know, how are they trying to differentiate themselves? Are they yeah. any better? It's, they're just different. So noon, okay. for example, you know, just the regular noon is just electrolyte. It doesn't have any sugar in it, or it might have mm. 10 calories, you know, a couple of grams of sugar. It's not enough. Um, precision hydration I've been working with for many years. I actually have one of their, um, one of their salt machine, uh, you know, machines that measures how much sodium you're losing in your sweat. And, um, and I love their product because it basically has two thirds approximately of the amount of sugar but like four times the amount of sodium that's yeah. in like a Gatorade or Powerade. So again, but you know, not everybody, if you're a 12 year old girl, you don't need that much salt and Gatorade might be just fine for you. You know, so it just really depends on your age, your stage, your sweat rate, your sweat composition. Um, and you don't know your sweat composition unless you get a sweat test. Um, and have, you know, someone measure how much salt you're losing in your sweat. So that's the great unknown. But you can, you know, know what your sweat rate is by weighing yourself before and after practice and then, you know, subtracting out how much um, fluid that you drank. You can't go to the bathroom in between um, because that'll that'll mess up the equation. But, you know, you can and you have to take off sweaty clothes because all that sweat is still on those clothes. So, right. you know, it, it is a little bit um, a little bit cumbersome to, to do a sweat rate test truly do it the right way. But even if you just weigh yourself before and after and just kind of get an idea of how much you lost, that's not fat that you lost in the court. That's all fluid. And for every pound that you lose, I recommend trying to get at least 20 ounces of fluid. So if I've got a male that lost three pounds on court in the morning, I want him to be back to his weigh in from that morning before he goes on the court in the afternoon. Because what if you only gain one pound back? Now I'm two pounds down and I'm starting my practice at two o'clock in the afternoon. Now I'm already behind, you know? So that's the important thing, especially if you're doing two a day practices is to make sure that in that time in between those practices, you're hydrating. And if you're losing three pounds that you're getting definitely some sodium in either the lunch that you're having and, or the fluid that you're also to replenish in between. Yeah, definitely hugely important. And I had um, Andy on uh, from Precision Hydration on one of my summits yeah. and, and podcasts. And yeah, he had some good stuff there and the sweat tests. Yeah. Yeah, um, amazing company. And he's, he's yeah. amazing. Wealth of knowledge. Good. I'm glad you had him on. He's great. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, as are you, of course, or as of, as are you, of course, is what I meant. And how about we transition to the top uh, five worst foods, in your opinion, that maybe, you know, maybe they, there are some things that you see players eating that you, you may, may cringe at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Let's see. Well, my personal um, absolute gross food is pork rinds, but that's not necessarily a, pay, a, a player thing. <laughs> I just think they're disgusting and can't imagine. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, I hate to always demonize certain foods. I will kind of answer your question, but. I hate to demonize foods because my whole thing is all foods can fit as long as you figure out how it's going to affect your performance, how it's going to affect your health, your body weight, and and when. So, for example, you know maybe the worst thing to eat before competition would be greasy chicken nuggets and French fries because all that fat is just going to sit in your stomach like a brick. But if you're really jonesing for some chicken nuggets, have it after, you know? So I don't want to say never eat fried food, never have pizza, never have, you know, X, Y, Z, because those things can fit and they can have, you know, good nutritional value to it. Pizza is one of the healthiest things you can eat. You can quote me on that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm pizza. so happy to hear that. <laughs> I love pizza and I think it is one of the best things that you can eat. Now, greasy, nasty, you know, triple meat pizza, quadruple meat pizza, maybe not. But, you know, you can definitely get a good pizza that, you know, think about it. It's the, you know, the, the crust is the grain, you know, the tomato sauce is a vegetable. You've got the cheese, which is going to be the protein plus, you know, of course, the calcium and, and all that good stuff. So anyway, um, I kind of have a, I have a soapbox about like, don't eat, you know, this particular food. Unless you're allergic, you can eat whatever you want, but you just want to make sure that it's within you know, the balance of what you're burning, 
And, you know, if you have certain health issues, so if you have high cholesterol, then yeah, lay off the bacon and the fatty meats and that kind of stuff. But if, you know, you're, you're perfectly healthy, then yeah, I can include a pizza. I can include some French fries here and there. I can have some ice cream here and there, you know, but all the time, you know, every day, maybe not. So it's a balance really in, in what you're doing. Gotcha. That makes sense. So on the topic of sugar, I know a lot of people have, you know, excessive sugar intake and stuff, but obviously we need it, you know, for, for our performance. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, at what point do we, should we be like mindful of it versus, you know, intaking sugar? Like if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, sugar has definitely been demonized in uh, recent years. And again, I don't think it's absolutely the devil, but does it have any redeeming qualities? Eh. You know, just table sugar, not so much. But again, we just talked about how, you know, on court, what I need is fluid carbohydrates, which is basically sugar, because, you know, we want it to get into your system right away. So you're not going to sit there and eat bread on court because we want something that's going to get into your system right away. So, you know, those sugars are going to be whether it comes from fruit or whether it comes from, you know, the sports drinks that are going to be more of, you know, the, the different types of sugar that are in the sports drinks. So, so yeah, you know, sugar is definitely something that every athlete is going to be taking in, whether it's natural sugar in fruit, whether it's added sugar in sports drinks, or whether it's added sugar just in fun stuff that they might have, like the cookies and cakes and and that kind of stuff, candy, chocolate, you know, but it's that balance of how much can I have so that it doesn't crowd out healthier foods, but it also isn't in addition to all of the other things I'm eating and then going to potentially contribute to unwanted um, weight gain. So again, that's where working with, you know, a a sports dietitian individually to figure that out as to like, what's my calorie value? What am I eating throughout the day? You know, how many, we call them discretionary calories (laughs) can I have that I can spend on things that, you know, don't maybe have a whole lot of nutritional value, but have the fun factor. And, you know, as an athlete, you're burning a lot of calories. And so you can have a little bit of fun factor in there and, um, and still be able to perform at a really high level. Awesome. Thanks, Tara. And so maybe let's, let's look at the day before like a, a, a batch. Um, what should we be thinking in terms of like how we should be eating for that, the, you know, the day before? Sure. Yeah. So day before, you always want to be focusing on hydration and getting your glycogen stores. So glycogen stores are your carbohydrate stores, are your energy stores. So we want to make sure that when your toe is on the line and you're ready to hit that first serve, you are full, not stuffed full. I'm going to puke, but full inside your body is full of fluid, is properly hydrated and is full of of glycogen, is full of carbohydrates. So day before, we want to have, yeah, a pretty high carb diet and be drinking, drinking, drinking as much as possible. You know, avoid alcohol, of course, um, and fill up more on, you know, fluids and, you know, those foods that are going to give you those, those carbohydrates. So breakfast, like we mentioned, maybe the oatmeal, you know, bagels, waffles, you know, that kind of stuff, lunch, you know, definitely having either rice, pasta, potatoes, bread, you know, tortillas, any of those kinds of things are going to be good. Same thing with dinner. That doesn't mean we don't eat anything else. Of course, we want some protein in there, some vegetables, some fruits and stuff too, but making sure that we're not eliminating those carbohydrates, that we're making sure that we're having a good source of carbohydrate throughout the day on the day before competition and not eating anything that might potentially cause you distress. So that's why the, the fat just kind of sits in your body. It doesn't really give you performance benefits. So I tend to try to recommend a little bit on the lower fat side day before day of competition um, so that we're not doing the greasy stuff or the really high fat creamy stuff um, the day before or day of competition. Gotcha, Tara. And then, so what are some of those like good sources of fats? Like, I guess one that I can think of, maybe avocados, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But any anything else that you'd recommend? Yeah. So you know, avocados, nuts and seeds. You know, maybe putting some peanut mm-hmm. butter or almond butter on that bagel, or you know, sandwich or whatever. You know, handful of nuts or trail mix. Um, those are all you know good fats. Um, you know, a little bit of salad dressing or something like that. That's fine. Um, but again, just not the deep fried, not the Alfredo sauce, not the, you know, everything smothered in cheese, uh, you know, that kind of thing. 
Mm, sounds so good. But yeah, I'll, I'll refrain. <laughs> I'll refrain. Um, so how, how about the day of like, I guess maybe starting with the morning and then like, you know, the meal beforehand, like any differences in versus the previous day? So uh, did you say day after? What'd you say? Oh, sorry. The day of the match. Day yeah. Out. How we should be eating. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So day of the match, you know, definitely nothing new <laughs> on match day. So you don't want to go, oh, I've never had a power bar before. I'm going to try this for the first time <laughs> oh. or whatever. Um, I mentioned power bar just because I had a friend that did this years ago, had one like mid-marathon and had oh. never had one before. And it was not good. <laughs> not easy to so, ingest. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you always want to eat things that are comfortable. And it's not just because of your digestive comfort, but it's also for your brain comfort. So if I know that I have a banana every morning, you know, of a competition or even every practice day, like I want to have that banana, you know, or whatever. So if I normally have, you know, bagel or I normally have oatmeal or I normally have, you know, frosted flakes, like whatever it is, you know, try to stick with those foods that are, are normal to you, are comfortable to you that, you know, and this is, this is one of the things that I'm always preaching to my athletes is practice what you're going to do in competition mm -hmm. during practice. So, you know, if you want to have a banana 30 minutes before the match, then do that 30 minutes before your afternoon practice. See how it sits. See how it feels. You know, what are you going to do during your match in terms of hydration? You know, I have so many tennis athletes that tell me, oh, well, in practice, I do this. And then on match day, I do this. And I'm like, why are they different? Why are they different? Right, right. <laughs> you know, you should be drinking, eating, you know, whatever, kind of the same things, maybe not the full day, but definitely, you know, during the match. So, you know, if you're going to try raisins during the match, if you're going to, you know, break off a banana during, you know, your, your rest times, like whatever it is, then, you know, let's try that during practice so that my body can get used to eating that date, eating that raisin, eating that Gatorade chew, eating that, you know, whatever it is that, that you're going to try doing or that new brand of, of, you know, electrolytes, um, you know, let's make sure that we practice that. Um, and then again, you know, nothing spicy, nothing, you know, again, fried, creamy, you know, all that kind of stuff so that it doesn't irritate because you've got, you've got nerves, you've got adrenaline, all that can irritate your stomach anyway. You know, you get nervous stomach. So then if I'm, if I'm eating foods that I'm used to, that are bland, that are low fat, that are comfortable, that's going to be less irritation for my gastric you know, system. If I start eating, you know, stuff that is like, I don't know, then now nerves, adrenaline, plus unknown food. That's trouble. <laughs> Quite the combo there, Dara. Um, yeah. You know, I really like that point, actually, because, you know, I, I have been hearing from coaches that you want to, um, you know, train like you would play in a match and so forth. But I don't think as many of us think about, you know, the, the nutrition part of it of like, you know, uh, eating the same snack as you would as uh, in a match and so forth. Cause I think even for me, sometimes I think like, Oh, you know, in practice, like maybe I, I won't have as much of that, you know, supplementary, um, food during a, a practice so that it, during a match, you know, I'll, I'll be even tougher, like physically or something like that. But then on the other hand, maybe I won't be used to ingesting as much when I'm playing yeah. and then I won't physically feel as good. So I think that's a really, really enlightening yeah. point. Well, and part of it is training your stomach to know what to expect. Right. So your stomach knows, okay, here come the raisins, here come the dates, here come the, you know, it knows like, okay, yeah, I'm used to this. And maybe you don't do quite as much, you know, during practice, it depends on how long that practice is, how intense that practice is. But if you know, I'm going to have a really intense practice today, that's the day to practice more. What am I going to do in competition? A lighter practice day? Sure. You know, maybe you just get away with doing some sports drink and no, you know, a supplementary other food. Um, so, yeah, just kind of see what that practice is like. And maybe on those intense practice days, that's when you practice your, your competition nutrition a little bit more. Got it. Thanks, Tara. And then in terms of thinking about our uh, meals and in terms of, you know, carbs, fats, proteins, I mean, is there some sort of general ratio that we should be thinking about, like a rough outline, like when we you know, prepare our meals and eat them as to what we should follow? So I always say at every single meal, I want three things at every single meal, some kind of carbohydrate source. Okay. 
So whether that's bread, cereal, rice, pasta, potatoes, tortillas, whatever it is, we want some kind of carbohydrate source at every single meal. We also want some kind of a protein source. So again, at breakfast, it might be eggs. It might be protein powder in your smoothie. It might be, you know, Canadian bacon. It might be whatever. Greek yogurt. At lunch, it might be deli turkey. At dinner, it might be chicken breast or salmon or beef or whatever. So some kind of protein. Then we also want some kind of either fruit or vegetable. So at breakfast, it might be fruit. At lunch, it might be vegetable, but some kind of fruit or vegetable. So I don't necessarily, it gets really confusing. People don't like numbers. They don't like percentages. (laughs) They don't like, you know, those kinds of things. So I'm like, if I can keep it simple and not think of the ratio of your carbs to protein, (laughs) I mean, percentages are hard enough and then ratios are even harder. Um, So if I can just say, where is your fruit or vegetable? Where is your grain? Where is your protein? at this meal, now I can, you know, say, okay, well, normally I just have a plain bagel for breakfast. Well, there's your carb. Where's your protein? Where's your fruit? Okay. You know, so I just have plain pasta for lunch. Okay. There's your carb, but where's your protein? Where's your vegetable? So, you know, that helps you to kind of think, okay, I need it. So that will give you a well-rounded. I'll have my carbs. I'll have my protein. I'll have my antioxidants in there and that, and then the fat just sort of finds its way in, you know? Mm. It, it, we know we usually don't have a problem having some fat find its way into our, our diet. So, you know, from a macronutrient perspective, I don't necessarily have fat on the list of like have this at every single meal because it usually finds its way in with a little butter on the toast or peanut butter on the bagel or, you know, pata, you know, oil that the vegetables have sauteed in or whatever it is. So I'm not usually worried about, you know, adding extra fat. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then in terms of the carbohydrate, uh, the the type, how important is it that we select, you know, like slow carbohydrate or slow ingesting carbohydrates that might not be the proper term, but you you know, like multigrain versus white bread and so forth. Like how important is that? And is there like a, you know, timing as to when it's okay to have one versus the other? Like any thoughts on that? Yeah. So um, glycemic index is kind of what you're getting toward. Um, Glycemic index is basically how quickly does your blood sugar go up? And then how quickly does it go back down again in response to eating food? So something that's high glycemic is usually foods that are like the white bread, white rice, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, The lower glycemic is going to have the fiber, is going to have a little bit more protein, may even have a little bit of fat added to it. So or included, you know, naturally in the food. Um, So, yes, ideally, you know, your carbohydrate sources should be things that are a little bit more on the nutritious side, like the whole grain bread versus the white bread, like some quinoa or some, you know, brown rice or wild rice or, um, you know, those kinds of things to try to get a little bit more whole grain. And the reason for that is fiber. Fiber is a slower digester. It's good for your heart. It's good for digestive system. It's good for everything, for your blood sugar control. Um, it also tends to have a few more vitamins and minerals in it. Um, the whole grain version of things, there are a few exceptions, but, um, you know, in general, that's the reason to try to get those slower. And to your point, it gives you a little bit more lasting energy versus this up, down, up, down, up, down that you might get from like a white rice. It might give me just a little bit more. I'm going to put a caveat to that. We usually don't eat just one food, especially at a meal. So I'm not just going to make a meal out of white rice. White rice is very high glycemic, but what am I going to have with my white rice? Oh, well, I might wrap it into sushi. Well, now I have some fish that gives me a little bit more lasting energy because that protein is going to buffer how quickly Mm -hmm. that blood sugar is going to go up because of the rice. So if you're combining some of those higher glycemic foods with a protein or something with fiber or something, then that also helps to kind of give you more lasting energy. So it's not like, again, I would say never have white rice or a piece of white bread. Yeah, there's better choice, you know, there's a better choice to have a whole grain piece of bread. Um, But, you know, you can have it as long as you sort of combine it so it doesn't give you this super spike. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gotcha. Gotcha. Brilliant. And uh, just, I guess, going back real quick on the sugars, I, I know there's a, a bunch of different like alternative like sugars and whatnot. Like, uh, is there any any pros and cons to using those other ones like stevia and so forth? So, yeah, this is the, the million dollar question. Um, <laughs> non-nutritive sweeteners. OK, so people usually aren't heard of them called that. But non-nutritive sweeteners means it doesn't have calories. It doesn't have nutritional value. So non-nutritive sweeteners have sort of two kinds within that. You've got the artificial sweeteners, which are going to be the pink, blue, yellow. Then you have the natural sweeteners, which are going to be the orange, which is monk fruit, and the green, which is going to be stevia. I'm talking about the color of the packets. Mm, okay, <laughs> you're not, gotcha. You're like, what are you talking about? Um, the color of the packets, okay? So, so the monk fruit and the stevia, the orange and the, and the green are these natural, and notice I'm using air quotes when I say natural um, because, you know, it's stevia does not look like a white powder in a packet when it's grown from the earth. So obviously mm. it's going to be the same thing with monk fruit. It's going to be processed and, you know, made into, um, this substance that I can then add. Um, non-nutritive sweeteners are probably the most highly contested thing in our food supply <laughs> because you've got some people that say, oh, they're a great way to reduce your calories. And, you know, they're, they're perfectly healthy. And then you have, a, have other people that say they're rat poison, they're going to kill you. Um, <laughs> and, and that is not true. They have been found to be perfectly safe. If they were going to kill you and rat poison, they would be off the market. Okay. They have been studied. They're, they're one of the most highly controversial, but because they're one of the most highly controversial, they're also one of the most highly studied of mm. all, of the nutri- all of the foods or food additives that are in our food supply. Um, so, you know, they've done meta-analyses, they've looked at all the studies time and time and time again of the pink, the blue, the, you know, the saccharin, the, um, aspartame, the, all those things. And they still continue to find in 2022, we are now that they are perfectly safe. They, but if you don't want to do them, if you don't trust that science, then don't do it. <laughs> you don't have to add a pink packet to anything. Okay. So, you know, and same thing with, you know, the orange and the green, um, they have been found to be perfectly safe as well. They're in our food supply. Um, so, you know, it's up to you whether you want to use them. I always recommend in moderation. Um, so, you know, too much of anything. Yeah, there could be a problem. Too much sugar is not good, but too much artificial sweetener could not be good too. We don't really know. Um, you know, they, they do know they have set an upper limit. It's, um, it's called the ADL. It's the, um, acceptable daily limit. Um, and it's really high. So it's like 96 packets a day, if I'm not oh. mistaken, of, <laughs> um, of saccharin. So it's a lot, or maybe that was, that's aspartame. I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but you know, it's, it's high. It's at least 60 to 80 to 90 packets of of those, you know, of those sweeteners before you get to the point where they say, and that's every day for a lifetime. So it's not just one bad day when you have 27 dietary Cokes, you know, it's like (laughs) habitual use of that amount. So again, they've been found to be perfectly safe. If you don't want to do them, don't do them. But if you want to reduce some of your sugar by including a little bit of, you know, diet soda instead of regular or you know, add a packet of Splenda to your oatmeal instead of, you know, maple syrup or brown sugar. Great. I think it's perfectly fine. Yeah. That's moderation, uh, you know, way to go. Sounds pretty good to me. Um, awesome. And, and, you know, in terms of the, uh, is a supplementary, uh, snacks, I guess, during matches to go back to that, like, um, I know I asked you like, what are your favorite, um, sports drinks and so forth. Do you have favorite, um, let's say, you know, bars or like cliff bars or whatever, like anything you recommend? Yeah, um, I do. I do have some, you know, bars that I like more than others and it depends on the situation. So if you're in between practice and you're just wanting a snack, then, you know, one of the bars that's maybe a little bit more higher protein, 
Um, I've been obsessed with Built Bars lately. Mm. Um, if you haven't had those, uh, they are delicious. Um, and they're very sweet. They kind of stick to your teeth. That's the only bad part. But <laughs> otherwise, um, I, I love Built Bars. They're pretty low calorie for the amount of protein that's in it. You know, a lot of people like the Quest Bars or the One Bars or or things like that. Um, if it's during a match, then yes, I'm going to go more towards one of the higher carb, um, you know, lower protein, lower fiber type things that's going to kind of get into your system right away. So I like, you know, the Cliff Bars, not the Builder Bar. That's better for what, you know, because Cliff has lots of different varieties within it. But the regular yeah. Cliff Bar is, you know, maybe a, a potential. Um, you could do just even like a regular granola bar. So even like the mm. little chewy granola bars that are, yeah, a lot of sugar um, and a little bit of oats, but that's what you need during, you know, exercise is, you know, I even have, um, I mean, this was like a TikTok thing in the past year was the Rice Krispie Treats. Did you hear about that? Uh, no, shoot. I didn't. No. Yeah. So uh, Rice Krispie Treats became very popular as a pre-exercise um, snack <laughs> and you know how TikTok it just kind of you know gets viral um, yeah. and actually I had been doing that for years with um, <sighs> with players is to um, you know to do like at halftime or something you know something that's pretty high carb um, you know in in other sports so um, so yeah so I think you know if that's what you like and you want to have something that you can chew because you're sick of just drinking 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 your carbohydrates, um, then, you know, the, the chewy granola bars, the, crisp, the crunchy granola bars, um, you know, those kinds of things could be a great one for during. But if it's not during exercise, then I go for more of like a kind bar or, you know, something that's going to sort of give me some fiber or protein or both, uh, maybe a little bit of fat from the nuts that are going to give me a little bit more sustained energy. Yeah, this is why I love sports, training, tennis, whatever, because then you can just guilt-free eat, you know, those yummy foods and say, you know, <laughs> I, I need this energy. <laughs> I need this the Rice Krispie Treat. treat diet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, love it. Um, so I I in terms of diets, and I know like we have people with certain needs and uh, allergies and so forth. I mean, do you, uh, do you advise your clients and players like to adopt a certain sort of diet? Uh, and, and, you know, if so, is there like a certain diet or diets that you think uh, would, would be a great fit for tennis players? So what I try to tell tennis players, it depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm working with, you know, a, a ranked pro, which is what I worked with a lot, what, what, what I work with a lot at USTA or a lot of the junior players who are, you know, ranked juniors and going to be our future um, Olympians and Grand Slam winners. I, I try to you know, explain that there's, there's three things that go into performance or go into your ability to play the sport. One is genetics. Thank your mom and dad <laughs> that you have the genetics to be able to do this, you know, this particular sport. Two is training, you know, obviously thank your coach. And three is what you're putting into your body. How are you feeling it? You know, and of course within that, I mean, that's very simplified within that is going to be recovery and, you know, all kinds of different aspects of training and nutrition and, you know, all of that. But, you know, what you're putting into your body absolutely can influence your energy, your recovery, your performance. So depending on how serious you are is how, I don't want to use the word strict, but how um, focused you want to be on your nutrition. If you're just like a, you know, weekend warrior, you know, going to a few tournaments for fun and you're a 50-year-old player, then, you know, okay then it is what it is. But if you're on the pro circuit and this is your life and your livelihood, then guess what? We need to be a little bit serious about what's going into my body. Um, be, and this is a snapshot of your life. You know, whenever I'm working with professional athletes, it's usually people that only have this short career, <laughs> you know, because athletics is tough and our bodies, you know, wear out after a certain point and we have to retire. Um, so, you know, you see very few professional athletes still in their forties, unless it's the game of golf. So, um, so, you know, we have to be very cognizant as to what's going to keep me in the game for the longest, what's going to help me to perform at my best. So it's not one specific diet, you know, I would say, um, but it's just being very focused around, all right, is that going to be the best choice for me from a recovery perspective? 
Um, I'm not really hungry right now, but I have practice in an hour and I know that I need to eat something, you know, and it's seven o'clock in the morning. I knew I know I need to eat something before my two hour practice. So I need to force myself to, you know, have a little bit of breakfast or have something to eat before this practice. Oh, I'm exhausted after this practice. All I want to do is go take a nap. But I know that I need to eat something within 30 minutes in order to have my Mm -hmm. best recovery. So, you know, it's always not it's not always what you want to do (laughs) or, you know, your friends are you know getting this or that, um, you know, take out Uber Eats, whatever, or boozing it up. And you're like, yeah, but if you have your eye on the prize, if you have a goal, if you're really dedicated to your sport, then, yeah, we have to say no sometimes. And discipline is hard when it comes to food because it tastes good, feels good. It's social. It's. You know, there's so many things that go into our food decisions in a day, but the more focused you can be on what your goals are, the easier that decision becomes, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And in terms of, um, you know, individuals who are trying to like make sure that they, you know, eat properly, um, do you have any advice on how to, you know, have how to consistently do that? Yeah. So I think, you know, just like I just talked about finding that why, finding mm. that important why am I, you know, going to be disciplined around this? And then, you know, there's two P words that people really don't like to hear, but it makes a big difference when it comes to your nutrition. And that is planning mm. and preparation. Mm. <laughs> so it's not, oh, it's 630 at night and I didn't figure out what I was going to have for dinner. Okay. You know, dialing the phone or going through the drive-through. It's planning ahead to think, okay, do I have my oats? Do I have my fruit for the week? Do I have my veggies? Do I have the yogurt in the fridge? Am I out of milk? Am I, you know, like what, make sure that that grocery list is planned, that the food is in the house. You know, you're not going to eat it if it's not there. And you are going to eat it if it is there. So if you buy the chips and the cookies and the cakes and the, you know, chocolate, guess what? That's what you're going to eat. So, you know, planning ahead and then also preparation. You know, I can't tell you how many athletes have gone to food prep services, you know, where they're like, I'm just too busy or too tired or just don't know how to cook and don't know and don't want to learn right now. And so I just get my meal delivery and boom, it's in the fridge. And I eeny, meeny, miny, mo, pick one out, put it in the microwave. And three minutes later, I'm eating. And I think that's great. Because the meal prep services, depending on which one you choose, of course, what do they give you? A carb, a protein, and a vegetable, (laughs) (laughs) which is exactly what I want you to eat, you know? And it's usually, you know, healthy. Like it's usually well-rounded, good stuff. Um, You know, they're not giving you, you know, deep fried everything and and whatever. So, um, So that's what I highly recommend is putting just a little bit of effort. Mm-hmm. into food prep and into planning and into thinking ahead as to what am I going to have for lunch? What am I going to pack into my bag that I'm going to have on court? What am I going to have, you know, after court? Like, oh, I have to run to this appointment right after practice. So I better, you know, bring with me or make sure I can you know, get to the smoothie place or, you know, whatever it is, like make sure that you're able to look at your schedule and plan out what you're going to eat and when you're going to eat it, because otherwise reactionary eating is not as good as thinking ahead and, you know, and thinking, you know, forward around what am I going to eat based on my schedule and how much time I'm going to have, you know, time is the biggest thing these days is I don't have time to prepare. I don't have time, 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 time. (laughs) Okay. Well then you have to think ahead and plan it ahead. And, you know, I do it the night before I get my breakfast ready. So that boom, I can just grab it out of the fridge and go, or I make my smoothie and boom, stick a straw in it and I'm out the door, you know, whatever. So, you know, planning ahead a little bit, I can't stress that enough. Love that. Awesome advice. Really appreciate that, Tara. And so, you know, obviously I have a bunch of friends on different sorts of diets, you know, some are doing intermittent fasting, some are doing, um, you know, paleo, Mediterranean, um, I forget what else, you know, vegan, vegetarian. Are there any diets that you would you'd say like well if I'm and let's obviously we need context so like say like um 
uh, three five to five zero tennis players. So you know, intermediate to pretty you know to advanced, and they're competitive and playing leagues and so forth, some tournaments. Um, are there any of these diets that you would kind of would give you a pause and say, well, maybe I might not advise this sort of diet uh, for you to be on, given that you're you know a competitive tennis athlete? Yeah. So any diet that completely eliminates a group like, you mm-hmm. know, a keto Atkins type of thing that completely mm-hmm. eliminates carbohydrates and has you down to three, 30 or 50 grams of carbohydrates a day, not good because you need carbohydrates as an athlete. Your body's preferred source of energy is carbohydrate. Okay. So anytime, you know, a diet sees, seems or feels a little bit too restrictive, it probably is. And it's probably not going to give you the results that you want. Maybe you lose weight, but maybe you're going to crash and burn <laughs> at the same time. And maybe what you're going to lose is muscle and not, you know, as much fat. So, you know, I'm always recommending sort of the, you know, the boring um, moderation type of advice where, you know what, if, if you think carbohydrates are your enemy, then maybe reducing your carbohydrates is going to be better than cutting them out. <laughs> so maybe, you know, cut back on some of those carbohydrates that aren't giving you as much nutritional value, like the cakes and cookies and, you know, that kind of stuff first. And then if you're still having, you know, maybe reduce the scoop of rice. So yeah, I still have rice, but it's not over to, I'm not having the whole, you know, pouch of 90 second rice. Um, You know, maybe I'm, you know, reducing just portions rather than cutting entire food groups out or changing my cooking style again, so that I'm not drowning everything, even though it's olive oil, it's healthy. It's olive oil. Well, it's still 120 calories per tablespoon. Yeah. Mm. All oils, olive oil, 120 calories per tablespoon. So that adds up, even if it is quote unquote healthy. You know, you mentioned the avocado earlier. Yeah. I love avocados, love, love, love avocados, but you eat a whole avocado and it's 280 calories. So, you know, it can add up in, you know, in what we're doing, you know, not same thing. You know, two tablespoons of peanut butter, 190 calories. So this is the hazard of my job. I know all these things <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, it's it's so it's not necessarily even the what you're eating. It could be the how much, um, depending on what your goals are. So if you're trying to cut weight and that's why you're doing, you know, some diet, then, yeah, let's let's look at portions a little bit more. If you're just trying to, you know, get more energy in your day, well, let's look at when you're eating. Maybe you're not eating enough earlier in the day and you're eating too much later in the day, you know, so it just depends on what your goal is with, you know, what of those diets that, you know, might be tempting you. I'm not a fan of intermittent fasting. I think that, um, you know, especially for athletes, you know, if you're working at a, at a desk and you're not very active, then, okay, you know, maybe delay, you know, your breakfast. I'm still not a huge fan of it. I think people should eat within an hour of getting up, but, you know, if that's what you want to try, okay. But an athlete needs energy. They need that energy first thing in the morning and to keep that metabolism going and to keep that muscle strong and to not waste away um, the muscle and all that good stuff. So, you know, a lot of these things you have to think about, like, is this general population obese America or is this me as an athlete or competitive athlete, pro athlete, scratch athlete, whatever category you're in? You know, what do I need for my age and stage and, you know, athletic goals versus, you know, that couch potato um, person that is definitely going to be in a different category. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thanks, Tara. And so um, a lot of us uh, who play in the USA leagues, we have matches sometimes at like 9 p.m. and, you know, some eight. Well, if we're really lucky, seven. I love those. Um, but what advice would you give us to make sure that we have maximum energy for these like nine o'clock and sometimes eight o'clock matches? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to rev yourself up with a bunch of caffeine because then you're never going to fall asleep. And it's hard <laughs> enough to, you know, yeah. wind down after some of those matches and get to sleep. Um, so you definitely don't want to do the caffeine thing. Um, I would maximize lunch so that, you know, like I'm going to have my biggest meal at lunchtime and mm. then have like kind of a, of a light snack slash, you know, maybe just like a turkey sandwich at five or six o'clock. And then mm. you still have a few hours for that to digest and, you know, give you that energy for that match, you know, hydrate all day, of course. Um, but yeah, that's those, those late matches are very tough, are very tough to get the energy 
um, to be able to do that, especially, you know, if you worked a full day or something like that, um, depending on what, you know, the rest of your day looked like. So, um, so yeah, I would say just try to, um, you know, try to go through your day and think, when do I need my energy? And I want to be, you know, fairly digested. So I'm not full. And that's again, where you don't do the fried stuff and the greasy stuff and the spicy stuff and, you know, any of that before a match, um, or a full meal, you know, at six o'clock, I would definitely eat something, um, you know, six, seven o'clock, but maybe not have it be, you know, a big amount. And then afterwards, you know, maybe you, you think of dinner as like split in two. So I have like half my dinner before and half my dinner after it doesn't have to be exactly half. It doesn't have to be the same thing, of course. But if I have a bowl of cereal or that turkey sandwich or, you know, something, and then maybe after I have, you know, some egg on toast or a smoothie when I get home or, you know, something sort of light after the match too. Cause that's the other thing is you don't want to be eating a big old meal and then yeah. go to bed and you're laying there, you know, with indigestion and, you know, then going straight to your belly. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. Cause you know, one of the issues that I had was playing the nine o'clock match and and then getting back home and deciding, like, do I want to eat, you know, a, a lot or do I just want to eat a little bit? And I've had nights where I, I just had, you know, very little afterwards. And then I woke up at like 2 a.m. like starving. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, horrible. you definitely want to have something um, and, you know, and, and have that have a decent amount before so that you're not like ravenous, you know, yeah. after that match, <laughs> because then you have no self-control and it doesn't matter what you want your body's going to take what it wants <laughs> and it's gotcha. going to say, Oh, floodgates open. Um, so yeah, whether it's that bowl of cereal or egg, you know, sometimes breakfast for dinner is good at that mm. late, at that late hour or, you know, frozen meals, frozen meals. I rely on frozen meals a lot for lunch or for, you know, when no one else is home and I'm just making a meal for myself, you know, that kind of thing. It's just food that's been frozen. So that can be a good portion control thing. Where, yeah, I'm hungry, but I don't want to like now start cooking at, you know, 11 o'clock. <laughs> um, or, you know, if you do some kind of food prep, that can be an easy one to just stick in the microwave and, you know, you eat. It might be a 300 calorie, you know, 400 calorie meal. So it's enough to sort of, you know, replenish, but not enough where you're full and it, you ate too much after that match. Gotcha. And, and any particular like frozen food brands? Yeah, I, um, well, I love, I'm mostly vegetarian myself, so I do mm. a lot of the Amy's. My new obsession yeah. is this Tattooed Chef. I don't know if you've seen mm. this brand. Oh my God, it's oh. so good. Um, <laughs> tattooed Chef. I know it's crazy. Um, so that one I love, but you know, healthy choice for, you know, for meat eaters, um, healthy choice is an absolute great one. I think, you know, a lot of their bowls, especially um, I love the, the, the healthy choice bowls. I think those are really good option. Um, so yeah, I would say, you know, anything with, I mean, th they've come a long way since I was a kid <laughs> and it was like the TV dinner thing. You yeah. Know, these frozen meals actually just like the food prep, you know, it's grain, it's protein, it's vegetables. Um, if you choose the right one, of course you can choose some that are lots of, you know, nasty stuff, but if you look at the box and you see some good vegetables and, you know, healthy as in the brand name, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's usually pretty good. Nice. Cool. Cool. And then, um, I think you mentioned this earlier, but in terms of, um, you know, uh, recovery after, um, playing, I think you mentioned like 30 minutes. So like just to double check, is there, you know, an optimal like time limit, whereas you need to eat before that's up. And then also, is it, possible to have like some sort of like smaller thing like a shake or something to fulfill that yeah. need yeah so ideally you want to eat something within 30 minutes after exercise whether it's practice mm. or competition just because that's when your cells are like okay i just mm. emptied out give me give me give me you know give me nutrition and mm. you always hear protein after but you want carbohydrates and protein after because your your glycogen stores are now depleted and carbohydrates, remember, are our body's preferred source of energy. So if you have some carbs, that'll give you energy right away. And then the protein you eat can do its job to build and repair the muscles. If you eat just protein, that protein is just going to go to energy. And then your body's like, oh, what about my muscles? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, I just used the protein for energy. I thought you needed energy first. So, um, so having carbs and protein. So that's why you hear chocolate milk. You know, it's such a great recovery beverage because you've got, it's fluid, it's carbs, it's protein, it's electrolytes, it's everything that you need. 
Um, you can definitely do smoothies, you know, afterwards, and you can just eat real food too, you know, if it's, if it's time for a meal, but if you know that that meal is going to be two hours later, you know, if it's 45 minutes, okay, fine. You know, it's, there's no, like, it has to be 30 minutes, you know, but 30 to 60 minutes after exercise, you want to try to either have a snack or your next meal. Gotcha, Tara. And, and so, I mean, physiologically, um, what's the effect if you don't have, you know, food until like two hours after, like, is it, uh, yeah, like what happens? <laughs> it's just your body is just getting more and more delay in terms of mm. getting the recovery it needs. So that can then, you know, now roll over until the next day. And then the next day, mm. you know, especially for some of these pro athletes who are, you know, exercising four or five hours a day, you know, at USTA, they have practice for two hours in the morning, they have fitness, they have two hours in the afternoon. So that's five hours of exercise. If you're not, you know, before, during, after, all of that, you know, exercise, then you're leaving yourself with a lot of, you know, potential for injury to come in, for sickness to come in. You know, anytime your body is down and out, is depleted and doesn't get that repletion, then that's putting it at risk for, you know, something to come in and um, either make you sick or make you injured. So that's, you know, the biggest thing is the recovery nutrition is really there to to recover what just happened and get you ready for the next day, the next practice, the next whatever. Gotcha. So maybe like a cliff bar or some sort of, uh, I guess, smoothie like we mentioned would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, great. Cool. Cool. Tara, uh, Tara, excuse me. So, uh, great. Uh, Tara, I also want to ask you, uh, to, to get the audience to, you know, uh, check out all your stuff. Um, wh- where can the audience, um, reach you and find all your awesome stuff? And contact sure. Info. Yeah. So my website is dietdiva.net. So dietdiva.net. And um, so that's probably the best place you can find, you know, my email address. You can email me at tara at dietdiva.net if you have any questions. Um, yeah. Cool. And how about socials? Any of those for us to check out? Yeah. Um, Diet Diva Tara. Diet Diva Got Tara is, uh, is my Instagram and Twitter. And then I'm on Facebook as uh, Diet Diva. Perfect. Perfect. And, um, what services like do you offer? I mean, like if people get in touch with you, like, do you work with individuals as well? Or is it mainly just like, you know, the sports, um, entities and so forth? Yeah. I mean, right now, probably 80% of my time is taken with, um, with sports. And, um, I also do some corporate wellness work as well, but I do some individual, um, you know, athletes as well. So yeah reach out. And if I don't, if I can't see you myself, if my schedule is full, then I definitely have, um, you know, other, other people I can refer you to and definitely make sure that you get taken care of. Awesome. Thanks, Tara. And I see that you have like a book section on your site as well. Uh, and yeah, some other services. So I guess, uh, people should definitely check that out. I don't know if you wanted to shout out any books in particular or anything like that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, I've written a couple of dummies books, actually. <laughs> so, That's pretty cool. That's a huge, um, I, yeah. uh, you know, line. Yeah, I co-wrote um, Flat Belly Cookbook for Dummies. So that one is it's a cookbook. It's got um, recipes in it, but it's also all about sort of that, you know, that belly fat and trying to reduce the belly fat. And there's specific foods that you, you know, can try to eat in order to, you know, reduce belly fat. And then I also wrote, um, this was many years ago, Pregnancy Cooking and Nutrition for Dummies. So, um, kind of the opposite of flat belly, <laughs> a big pregnancy belly. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you are pregnant or know someone who's pregnant, it makes a, makes a great gift if, um, if they, you know, to help clear up, it's a lot of myths, a lot of, and, and what to eat when you're pregnant to have those best nutrition. It's also a cookbook as well. Awesome, Tara. Great stuff. And I just want to give you the last word. If there's anything, you know, I may have missed that you want to mention or just any last words of wisdom that you want to let the audience know about before we uh, uh, bring this to a close? Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you had some great questions. Um, You know, as I said, it really is all in what kind of performance you want. You know, how serious do you want to be about your sport, about tennis and um, and how to eat in order to get that? And have, you know, the body composition, have the energy, have the recovery, you know, it all goes into what am I eating? When am I eating? And how is that going to help me, you know, on the court? Awesome, Tara. Well, I really want to 
you know, encourage everybody to check out, um, you know, Tara's website and everything else that she's done. And we'll have them all in the show notes page, the links for you. And so Tara, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Really appreciate all your awesome work and it was a pleasure to speak with you and hopefully we'll connect again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Thank you. All right. I really hope that you enjoyed my interview with Tara Collingwood. I certainly got a lot of great insights from her that I'm going to implement in my game and in my nutrition and dieting specifically, of course, to help improve it. So I'm really excited to re-listen to this interview that I just did and to implement, which is the most important thing that you all need to do when you listen to the podcast is to take um, you know, one or a couple points from it that you think will impact you the most and actually implement instead of just continually learning but not implementing. Very important distinction there. And definitely highly encourage you to check out Tara's website at dietdiva.net. That's D-I-E-T-D-I-V-A dot net. And we will have that link as well as other links from the show from today in your show notes page, or you can go to tennisfoz.com slash 233 for the show notes page on my website. All right. And I would like to leave you with a quote, as I often do at the end of the show, and this one is by Thomas Aquinas. And Thomas said, if the highest aim of a captain were to preserve his ship, he would keep it in port forever. Very deep quote there. really love that one. And one last request uh, or a request from you is that if you found value from the show today, I would really, really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the show. And you can do that by going to tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts uh, or just go and leave a review in the podcast app of your choice that you use to listen to the show. But I do find that Apple Podcasts uh, holds the greatest weight, so to speak, in terms of um, pushing the podcast, um, higher up the search, you know, bar or whatever that is, (laughs) and to consequently get more people to find it and benefit from it. So I really appreciate if you'd leave a review for the show. I think we have over a hundred now, so that's great. And that is it. So um, again, hope you found value from this podcast today and from the others. And I am looking forward to continue uh, bringing you uh, valuable content through the podcast, uh, my tennis summit that I will am gearing up for again and will be uh, in April. Some more details on that soon and YouTube and my other content. So with that, I hope you have a great week and I will see you next time on the Tennis Files podcast. This is Mirabhan Aranshad signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.